Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.125%. APR, 4.22%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. 8.88% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast, Friday, October 5th. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. Oh, we've been having so many conversations offline. We talked about this morning divorce, other podcasts, data Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush. We've been talking about Neither of us getting divorced, by the way. Feels good. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that was, uh, was kind of out of nowhere. Anyway, good <laughs> start to the podcast. DF, if you're still with us after the first uh, 30 seconds here, dfsr.com is the site. DFSR. Also, go read Chuck Klosterman's terrible take on why Reggie Bush was. We're passing on Reggie Bush was the worst draft pick ever. Yeah, freezing. Chuck Posterman, Reggie Bush article. Terrible, terrible. I'll leave it in the show notes if I remember what I'm typing up. <laughs> DFSR.com slash deals will get you, the podcast listener, $5 off per month on our premium subscription Ooh. package. Uh, goes from $29.95 to $24.95. That includes optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings. NFL, obviously. NBA, we have preseason stuff going up there, so you can go check that out. NHL base projections right now as we just firm up a couple last-minute details on the optimizer for that uh and you still get that three free day trial don't forget you get five dollars off only if you make it through your free three-day trial so that's true uh, you still get to try it out go into this weekend see how we do football season has been pretty darn good so far dare i say uh even in a tough week uh week two we still kind of had some really good calls there too so yeah yeah no i've been really happy actually with the uh, anyway dfsr.com slash deals will get you that i've been very happy with one, our correlations of our projections, specifically on opportunity. I, did, I ran this the other day, uh, and the correlation was something like 0.6, 0.7. It was pretty high on overall opportunity for each player. Uh, with the fantasy points somewhere, it was lower, but that's to be expected just because of some of the variance. It's mostly the opportunity that I'm interested in. Uh, how close right. are we getting on where what guys are going to see on a week-to-week basis? And I think this year... Uh, even better we improved every year and this year we've been I think even even better just in terms of who's getting the touches we'll talk a little bit about that today as we break down game by game uh, some of the injury stuff we want to look at some of the cash game is composed to GPP plays we did do a cash game podcast that was posted yesterday the guys we covered there we talked about Cam we talked about Andy Dalton Ben Roethlisberger a little bit about Bortles Uh, running back we talked about Todd Gurley um uh, Christian McCaffrey, TJ Yeldon, and then we did was a whole smattering of wide receivers that we'll make mention of today, uh, and then we'll talk about some other guys. Because I think this is a week where, and as we mentioned it yesterday, I think this is a week where you're going to see ownership a lot more spread out, especially at wide receiver, maybe not so much at running back, and definitely at quarterback as well. Because I think you can make mm. – I, I, I don't read a lot of other industry opinion this early in the week on something because I don't – I think our system is so good and our process is so good that I just don't – typically like to allow other people's opinions to cloud my judgment, which I think at times it has. Uh, But I did actually read, I I did glance through a couple other things yesterday, and it was crazy to see the cases you can make for all the different quarterbacks this week. And I think that's a theme that's going to play out a lot, and it's just playing out even more because some of these like low-end quarterbacks are in such good spots. So I think you're going to see some pretty spread out ownership there. Um, you know, what, the, your opinion on when we get to week five, this, is this a week where we can really start taking advantage of other people's recency bias? Is, there, is it a week where the pricing gets a little too tough? And that's a, so even if you, even if, you know, people are going to realize sort of that like maybe guys have been running hot or not, what do you think when we get more than a quarter of a way through the season? Yeah, I think sample sizes start to get a little bit bigger, uh, particularly in terms of individual player performance. I still think you want to be a little bit careful with teams with outlier level schedules. Um, So this is a case where like using, say, weighted DVOA is going to be better than simple DVOA uh, because strength of schedule is going to be really, really different depending on which teams that you've gone up against so far. And yeah, so you basically just want to take your, your stats with a grain of salt. I think it's perfectly reasonable to kind of exclude individual games like I talked about this I'm putting up a DFSR premium article right now talking about uh, big price movers both up and down and I was talking about David Johnson and how basically he has definitely been pretty underwhelming but a lot of how bad he's looked basically comes down to that one Rams game where the team was out of it from the word go and uh, you know how his season-long stats are going to look even worse based on one game where his team wouldn't even let him on the field in the second half so 
uh, yeah, you, you can use these sample sizes. You also have to take them with a grain of salt. So we're getting closer. It's not like, you know, you just get one week and you have to throw it out completely. Uh, yeah, David but, Johnson's really interesting. Well, I guess we could talk more about him when we get to the Arizona and yeah, San Francisco sure. game. But, man, D DraftKings is coming close to that daring you to play. This guy was, like, the number one pick in drafts. I know that shouldn't matter this far into the season. We should know. But maybe it should, though. That's I mean, what I mean. Maybe this isn't that far into the season. That, that's, my, that's the big question I'm trying to ask myself. Like, <laughs> if you've played four games, is it too far into the season to have run bad? Of course not. Like, things just happen. Like, you drop one touchdown. <laughs> right. And, and you're you're averaging one and a half fantasy points less per game. Like that's, it's crazy how much little events can impact our feelings about things this early in the season. For sure. And if you look at, not to spend the, make this a whole David Johnson podcast, but if you look at his, his, uh, the three games he's played, obviously the Rams are an elite team with, I mean, not, maybe not an elite defense, but a very good defense. Plus they were just winning by so much. We could say Chicago has a completely elite defense. So, um, that was the other one. And then Washington actually has a pretty good defense too. Washington is top 12 in DVOA, uh, this season, uh, overall, they've been worse against the rush. So I guess that's an indictment on him. But it's not like he's had an easy schedule so far. His quarterback change, I think there's a lot of reasons to like him. We'll talk a little bit more about him when we get to that yeah. Washington-San Francisco game. Let's start off with the 1 p.m. games. Miami goes in and plays the Bengals in Cincinnati. Cincinnati right now is minus six favorites. That went from five and a half to six, but the total went down. The total started at 50 and is now down to 48 and a half with the points coming down a little bit more on the Dolphins' side. The injury news here is all about the Bengals' running back situation. Mixon actually practiced this week, limited fashion. It sure looks like he is going to play. Gio Bernard has not practiced. It does not look like he's going to play. And they have mm -hmm. Walton sort of as a backup. What do we want to do with Mixon here? I These are some of the ones that are always hard for me, right? Because when he was playing, he was getting close to that elite level of usage kind of running back. It looked like it really looked like that's where the Bengals were going to use him. Yeah, it looked like he was going to touch it 20 times a game. That's what I mean. I, yeah, and so he checks the box of big-time home favorite, a lot of points for the Bengals. Bengals' offense has been very good. Miami's looked rough, especially last week. How close is he? How much are you worried when a guy comes like this back from injury, though? Do we, do we need to be bearish on his projection? I... It, it, it's so hard because the, only the team knows how injured the guy is, right? So um, if he, if, I want to trust sometimes that if a guy's good enough to play, that they're going to allow him to get full run. And it's still this is a situation I find hard to trust. Yeah, so it's tricky with the NFL too because you just don't need to give the, the ball to the same guy every single play. So like uh, you know, Mixon coming back from meniscus surgery uh, just a couple weeks ago, basically, it just seemed. I mean. And I'm going to put a bookmark in this for a second. It seems as though that would be a classic, like you come back and you get 10 carries sort of situation. Mm -hmm. The weird thing about the Bengals is, you know, Bernard was a little bit banged up last week. And he, for multiple weeks, has basically been the only running back involved whatsoever. So, you know, the Bengals have this track record of, recently anyway, just picking a dude and going with him. Uh, we did see Mark Walton come in and have seven touches. And he had four targets in the passing game too last week. So... I really th feel like, given that they targeted Walton four times last week, that you could see a timeshare here. I don't feel like you need to stick your neck out on Mixon anyway, just because you'll probably get a, a chance at a similar price in the future. And while running back is like somewhat thin, there are some really good plays. So I think for cash game purposes, I'm kind of off it. And like he's not really like a conventional upside running back anyways. So I don't know if you need to do it for GPPs, but certainly a situation worth monitoring either way. I'm actually showing Thomas Rawls as the third as the third running back. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look this up real quick because our depth chart thing is, might be a little screwed up here. Um, the Rawls might be on this team too. So they actually sign Rawls and they well, have all Well, Rawls is on the team. Yeah. Ah, whatever. I'll but, go we, don't need to, we don't need to bet this on the podcast. Okay, I'll go check this out later. I don't, I don't think it's going to matter too much. I do think you're correct in that, you know, Mixon had been averaging something like 19 carries. Yeah, 19 carries and four targets before he got hurt. I have him at 14 and a half and three now. It's making him an okay, not great play. We are a little bit low on the Bengals total. It's mostly because of the running back situation uncertainty. Um, sure. You know, that that's, I'm going to drum it up to that because I have Dalton at like something like 40 attempts, have these wide receivers. You know, A.J. Green, you talked a little, I think, about Tyler Boyd. Do you think Boyd's um, just performance this season is a sustainable thing, knowing that A.J. Green is there. They did lose Eifert, so you have to assume they lost at least one kind of pass catcher out of their out of their wide receiver slash tight end core. What do you think of these receivers for Cincinnati? They've been, Boyd especially has been good, and A.J. Green obviously has pedigree. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge believer in Boyd right now. I think he's still too cheap. Uh, he's one of these guys, he's one of the uh, 
people I wrote up in my biggest movers category. He was 4700 earlier in the season, which was a comically low price that I'll take a lump and say we missed on in that Carolina game. Comes out last week, has 15 targets, mm-hmm. and uh, hauls in 11 of them. Uh, AJ Green's kind of interesting, or it's interesting to compare him to Green because Green obviously is the the banner wide receiver there, at least on a name basis, but Boyd's out targeted him this season and over the last three and basically Green's been on lock for eight targets a game, which would have been respectable in the old NFL, but not at his current prices, I don't think. Right. Given the options we have elsewhere for you can get more targets for less, basically. You might even be able to get them on the same team in Boyd. So I'm not going to consider playing AJ Green anywhere. I think Boyd is an excellent cash game play. And obviously like I don't think you can count on him for fifteen targets, but if he's a nine target a game guy then he should be in your cash game lineups. Yeah, obviously the Bengals are an interesting team. They've been putting up a ton of points. They're projected for a lot of points here. I wish the running back situation was a little more set in stone. I think if it was last week, we would see another week of Chalk Gio Bernard, but obviously the injury situation is making that situation just a little cloudy. So I'm with you. I'm probably, from a safety perspective, the wide receiver core seems like the way to go. I do think Dalton is a cash game play for sure, especially if you think they're going to back off the run a little bit and they have been yeah. willing to pass even in games where they've been leading. So uh, Dalton, close to a cash game. Not sure I totally get there. Miami, I don't know what you do with this team. This team is, just doesn't have a fantasy thing to even think about. Tannehill throws like 25 passes a game. They split carries like eight a game between the two running backs. <laughs> they throw it all different wide receivers, even when they but they don't even throw yeah. that much. This team, this, <laughs> okay, could, this, this might be the I'm least listening. fantasy viable team that I can remember in a really long time. Um, just in terms of they they have guys that I think theoretically could be good, and yeah. there's their scheme. Just they just don't they just don't do anything. So um, yeah, I, they don't care. Danny Amendola, Kenny Stills, all these guys have talent. They, they don't even to me have fantasy. There's no opportunity. No, so. I don't even think there's any upside. I mean, famous last words when Kenny and Drake gets 23 carries this week and just goes crazy or something. But um, sure. I just don't even think the way that they've deployed their personnel, there's not even GBP upside uh, for the Dolphins in a game where I think they're going to be playing catch up all right let's move on a lot to talk about here giants go in and play carolina carolina six point favorites here coming off the bye week so they're two weeks uh, to prepare for the giants we talked at length about cam and mccaffrey yesterday's cash game plays uh, that still stands i'm not really sure what else to do with the carolina team funches catches some passes and kind of nobody else does a whole lot for that team besides mccaffrey besides mccaffrey and newton um so i guess there's like maybe something you can say for funches and then the giants i mean the i hate to say this but i went to the game last week and you can't make big proclamations for because i'm not like an x's and o's guy P- eli manning's horrible like he he stinks <laughs> I, like i don't know the, the, the average, so here it goes yeah. the average air yards well the, the stats back it up so like whatever the average air yards they don't even bother trying to throw the ball down the field i think he's got, he's got some of the lowest average air yards they don't even tr- yeah. bother getting beckham to the, utilizing anything that he can do like with speed and whatnot um you know sterling Shepard had a big game so congrats on that it was a lot of it was just short outs and a quick stuff over the middle I, is there even upside for the Giants here with the receiving core? Barkley, they can't really run the ball with him. Carolina's a good defense. What do you think here of the Giants? Um, because I, when sometimes we think that the the one side of the ball is in a good spot, it does make for some GPP correlation on the other side, and I want to try to pick something out for the Giants, and it's tough. Yeah, I think Shepard remains a pretty interesting play. I think if you look at him as kind of like a I guess for me, he and Tyler Boyd are pretty close. I would view him as a slight downgrade to Tyler Boyd. Uh, Shepard was such an attractive play last year, as you wrote up, or last week rather, because uh, the matchup that he had versus the matchup Beckham had was so disparate that um, it just stood to reason that he was going to see increased targets. So kudos to you. He certainly did that. Uh, Beckham has been quietly still a really heavily targeted receiver this season. He hasn't punched anything into the end zone, but the guy... Let's see here. Yeah, I mean, easily averaging double-digit targets per game, um, 45 targets through four games. So it stands to reason that he's due for a big breakout game if he's going to continue to have that level of target share. Like, at some point, he's going to set foot in the end zone. You know he has playmaking ability after he catches the ball. So it hasn't come to fruition just yet, but Beckham is one of those, like, you know, no-brainer $9,000 receivers of the past, and he's down to 8300 on the Giants right now. So, yeah, I think there's definitely some interesting things to look at on the Giants' side. Um, I don't think the tight end thing ever really came to fruition with Red Allison, but uh, between Beckham and Shepard and even Barkley, I think all those guys has upside if things happen to break their way. Hey, Eli Manning's average, I just looked this up real quick, his average intended air yards, he is on the season fifth lowest, but the guys behind him, Blaine Gabbard, he's dead, so you can wipe him off the list. Bortles, Sam Bradford benched, and Carr. So basically Manning's the third fewest average intended air yards. They just can't get the ball down the field, so it does line up. Well, with so, but real quick on the intended air yards thing, I, I was thinking more about this and just trying to figure out 
why these lower totals were coming in. I think part of this, at least for Manning, could be Saquon Barkley has a lot of targets this season. Yep. Saquon Barkley has 35 targets, and obviously he's not going to be running 15 yards down the field and catching, you know, <laughs> catching these long routes or anything like that. So, you know, if you take 40, like I wonder how that number would look. We don't have the capacity to do this off the cuff. But if you took those 35 targets that were basically thrown to someone in the backfield or just past the line of scrimmage, uh, I wonder how those intended air yards would look differently. That's yeah, I think that's different. a good point. And I read a stat the other day that he has not targeted Beckham down the field for more than 20 yards all season. Like, so it's, it's, sure. I think it's both. It's, it's, it, both things are happening. That one thing that is correct that's going to drive the overall number down is correct. And, the fact that they're also not trying it is gonna is gonna do the same thing. So I think it's it's just yeah, kind of it's just kind of all wrapped. Get it both ways. Yep, mm-hmm. I think so. All right, uh, next game, Broncos go in and play the Jets. Jets started as two and a half point favorites. They are down to minus one, which is effectively saying the Broncos are the better team, um, with the Jets getting whatever that home that the, whatever Vegas deems it's usually minus three. I actually did look this up over the last thousand games. Actually, it's more like eleven hundred games. The Average home win. The, the, the team, the, the, excuse me, per game. The, the average home, home team was favored by how many points? Well, not average, not how much they were favored by, but how much they won by was two, 2.3 points. So, um, oh, so it's 2.3 points, the actual, you know, spread over all games. And Vegas, because they can't set it at 2.3, they do it at minus three and they throw some big on top to kind of like make up for the difference. And so um, it, it is interesting though, because if you're looking at, I'm sure that I'm sure that you know bookmakers understand that number that to be the actual number or whatever you know they even probably have drilled down and down a little bit more. So anyway, long story short, when you see this minus one for the Jets, that is saying the Broncos are probably the better team and maybe flying across the country and just having some playing in front of the Jets home crowd helps them just in terms of Vegas. Now, what do you want to do here? Anun was a guy that we've liked in the past. Um, he still seems to get the highest target share. He runs up a bad matchup this week where Chris Harris does line up in the slot a lot for the Broncos, and he's one of their best cover corners. Does Anunwa, he's so cheap for a guy at the projected target share, especially on DraftKings, and I get worried about the matchup. But on a week where you, you know, it does help to find some of these targets on the cheap, Anunwa kind of fits that mold for me, and I just don't love the matchup. Yeah, that's really the thing. I just don't know if you need to force it with Anunwa this week. I don't think he'll be chalk by any stretch based on being pretty underwhelming last week. You know, you like to see that the target share is still there. Uh, you know, a couple of tougher matchups in the last two weeks should be a tougher matchup here as well. And then I think you'll get him. Like the week I really want to play a nun with is two weeks from now or the next <laughs> the next Jets game after that. Uh, I think he's definitely still someone worth keeping on your radar. He definitely still seems to be the comfort target for Darnold. It's just, again, if you only need to play three wide receivers, do you need to play him? I'm just not sure. Now, I don't think it winds up being terrible. Like, if you have to go in this direction, if he winds up in your cash game lineups because that's how the money works, then I think it's probably fine. But, yeah, it's just uh, it's not going to be a priority for me until we get in a better matchup. Also, just because I feel like young quarterbacks get spooked by bad matchups, and when a young quarterback gets spooked, you can just have a guy disappear completely. Yeah, these other wide receivers, too, on the Jets have been awful. Prior, Anderson. Anderson, uh, the biggest just, the biggest price decliner on the season on account of yeah, being he's been completely terrible. <laughs> so. Not much you can do with the Jets' running game at this point no. between Powell and Kroll. Uh, they just don't. They, they kind of split carries. Now, Denver, we were high on guys like Sanders and Thomas to start the season with Keenum. That seems like it's dropped off. The target share has not really been there yeah. as much in the last few weeks. Is this... I mean, do you see that more as matchup-based? Do you think it's they're just kind of scheming away from these guys? Because these are guys, especially Sanders. We looked at Sanders as possibly just maybe an elite target guy going forward this year sure. with a quarterback upgrade where he lined up in the slot, and it really just hasn't completely been there. The target share over the last four, th- three weeks, he starts off with 17% target share, 7% against Oakland, 13 and 13. So it's like... It just really hasn't been there. And by the way, the, the matchup against KC is kind of a dream matchup, and he just still didn't see any real Yeah, well, right. And the, le- we- the lesson here is that that week one was in the outlier rather than the rule. I think we probably overreacted yeah. to the one-week sample size, given that uh, he was one of those new situation wide receivers, and it didn't bear out that way, and that's fine. It's also worth noting that he has this kind of outlier game in him. So if you want to play him for big tournaments, that sounds good. But realistically, you're not going to play anyone on Denver I mean, the running back is a full-on committee. You're not going to play anyone in Denver in cash games until something really different changes here. 
I was just checking notes because I thought, yeah, no, never mind. I, th- I thought it might be an injury situation with the Denver guys, but there isn't. Those guys have still been fl- splitting carries. Lindsey's looked really good. At, 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 a, at any point where one of these guys goes down, I think we're going to see sort of an elite chance at running back, and that just is not really the case right now between Freeman and Lindsey. They still have kind of Booker waiting in the wings. Just a hard team to get a match. This is, again, in the new world NFL, when you have a game that is a 42-and-a-half over-under, you just, especially from a cash game perspective, I mean, kind of why even bother? Even with the price markup on some of the other good offenses, some of these teams just do so much on offense that targeting these teams that just don't do yeah, anything this game, this just kind of doesn't full make sense. Skip for the most part. So, Yeah, I think, that, like I said, there's a couple interesting guys um, from a one-off perspective, especially if you're just looking to price fill, and that's, that's kind of it. I, I don't really know another way to, to, to say it. Okay, but a game that does have some implications, Jaguars go in and play the Chiefs. Chiefs are minus three favorites here, 49 total. So Chiefs still 26 implied points, less than they've been putting up, less than they've been showing in terms of Vegas stuff, mostly because of the matchup here with the Jaguars. Uh, The news and notes, obviously, for the Jags is that Leonard Fournette is not going to play. We did talk about TJ Yeldon as a cash game consideration for them because of how they use him in the passing game. Uh, We did mention make mention of Bortles as possibly a guy who has played, I think, better without Fournette and... Um, stands the reason he's going against a bad defense in a catch-up mode. And then the new the injury news on the Chiefs' side, Sammy Watkins had left the game early last week. He did practice this week, so it sure does look like he's going to play. Chiefs don't have much else in the way of injuries. How much do you want to have exposure to some of these Jags? We've been, you can do pretty well facing the Chiefs, in, especially in cash games, just how much they score and how quickly they score in terms of just pace of play. I think they've allowed the second-most opponent plays from scrimmage this year and that's because they just score so quickly and give the ball back do we want to can we can you see stacking some jags here like can you do a bortles yeldon thing in cash is that viable for a team that looks like they're going to be playing from behind no i don't think you want to play bortles <laughs> yeldon really for your big tournaments i just don't think the upside is there just because i don't see them connecting very much and you know bortles doesn't really do enough on the ground to be kind of a like in the same way you could play newton and mccaffrey i guess like there's a lot that makes that work that doesn't make this work and i think the other thing is that you just don't know like a, for instance last week dda westbrook had 13 targets out of the passing game for 130 yards so i think there's upside to be had on this team i think you're not going to like necessarily get all the production from the team by just going bortles and yeldon and calling it a day um it is interesting in the passing game basically at this point you just need to guess right on who's going to get the targets because yeah westbrook got the 13 targets last week but only four in the week prior and of course cole was on an eight and nine target streak and then only had three targets against the Jets. So that speaks to me to probably how more teams should play it, which is that they're trying to play matchups and go after the better possible matchup. So I think if you really wanted to play some Jags here, you'd go like one Bortles and Westbrook lineup, one Bortles and Cole lineup. They're about the same price. You wouldn't have to change very much else. And you could probably do something there. I still think Yeldon is an acceptable cash game play. And the rest of it is is pretty much in the tournament only category for me. Bortles has a pretty interesting game log in that he, let's see, he's last week he goes 388 and two touchdowns, so phenomenal. The week before goes 155 yards and no touchdowns, so obviously horrible. Uh, the week before against New England, 376 and four touchdowns. Uh, that's windy the week. And then the Giants, he was 176 and a touchdown. So he's been, he's been, a, if you're going to follow the every other game strategy, this would not be a good one. I don't honestly subscribe to that. But he has, he has huge games in him this season. And he's been better in terms of completion percentage than he has been in the past. I don't. I, it's really the fifty five hundred fifty five hundred DraftKings salary that has me really thinking pretty hard about it. On at least in cash for him there, and I would fully recognize that if you got a Blake Bortles stinker on your hands, it wouldn't it wouldn't completely shock me. What about the Chiefs? Is this are they priced too? Are they just too expensive for finally getting a pace down defense up matchup here? Like, would we be buying too high on? probably their worst matchup of the season so far yeah i think the chiefs are i think you can skip the passing game you know mahomes is another one of those big price movers and i'm still skeptical that he'll maintain his infinite touchdown to interception ratio uh the completion percentages wind up being higher than i would have expected it to be and this will be a really interesting case study like can you sustain such a high complete can one sustain such a high completion percentage when throwing the ball so far downfield and I'm not persuaded that he can necessarily do that. I still think there's some amount of run hot possible over a four-game sample. Um, I think if you are trying to go after big tournaments, 
uh, with two lockdown corners on Jacksonville and Ramsey and Bowie going after someone like Kelsey, who's already been the most targeted guy in the passing game, could be pretty interesting here. Uh, he's priced out for cash game considerations for me at 7700 but um, if you want to figure that two really tough corners can give Mahomes and his receivers a pretty big challenge here, uh, then you could see that 15-target game out of Kelsey and uh, a pretty big game as a result. And the other direction I think you can go for big tournaments is Kareem Hunt. He's quietly still maintaining extremely high usage relative to the league as far as running backs go. Um, 19, 18, 18 carries in his last three games. He's getting red zone carries as well. Not super targeted in the passing game, but again, that could go up with two tough corners on the other end this week too. So yeah, interesting big tournament stuff for me. Nothing for cash though. Yeah, the, um, the, to note here, the Jags rate really high DVOA, DVOA-wise against uh, just on defense. Again, it stands to reason they were going to do that. They were good last year, and they've really just not played anybody. They play the Giants and the Jets and the Titans, who really don't have much of an offense That's to speak true. of any of them. And they did, you know, and they did do well against New England. Uh, and that 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 one looks good on the resume now, considering how New England's been playing over the last couple weeks. And the other three games are just. They just really couldn't have gotten a better, gotten three better matchups in terms of who you want to defend, unless they had the Cardinals on there. So there's a, there's a, you want to trust some of these numbers for the Jags because they've done it year over year, and if they were to fall a little bit in terms of their overall ranking, I just really wouldn't be shocked uh, at all. All right, Green Bay goes in and plays Detroit. This one maybe has the biggest fantasy implication from an injury standpoint that of, of any game in the week, and that's mostly because the Packers' receiving core has just been completely decimated by injury. It does not look like Randall Cobb is going to play. Ger- uh, Geronimo Allison has not cleared concussion protocol as of, this is 10.30 a.m. on Friday morning, so as of right now, he has not cleared concussion protocol. It is looking very doubtful. And then Devontae Adams cre- um, snuck onto the injury list yet- late yesterday, <laughs> which would really, really put us to the test about what in term, if he were to sit, what uh, Aaron Rodgers can do with no, with basically, basically a practice squad worth of wide no receivers. Kidding. If Adam sat, he did not practice yesterday. Again, that kind of came out of nowhere. But not practicing on Wednesday or th- on Thursday is really bad sign for a guy, um, especially when the injury kind of comes later in the week. And so, um, not to say that he's definitely not going to play. But just having read injury reports over the last few years and really scrutinized them, this is a situation that more times than not works out to the guy doesn't play. So we'll see about that. What do we want to do here? Let's say Adams plays. Let's just talk about both scenarios. Uh, Adams plays. We have guys we talked about. Um, I mean, I guess this guy's name screwed up because I want to say Valdez each time. And Marcus Valdez-Scantling. Yeah, sorry, there's another way I want to say it, and I just keep getting it screwed up. Hey, yeah, Valdez-Scantling. We have him. We have some practice squad guys maybe coming up. We talked about Jimmy Graham. We mentioned Ty Montgomery possibly as a thing. I mean, Equinemia St. Brown maybe. <laughs> how, 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 Why are you funny. laughing? I read a funny tweet. I read a funny tweet about the the, the names. The same <laughs> um, yesterday, that I'm not going to say. But the um, the what do we? I mean, how much do we trust Aaron Rodgers? He's done it in the past. Can he just turn any wide receiver into a good matchup? And these guys are all going to be so cheap in a game. Detroit's defense is okay. I, I don't know. Like I want to trust Rodgers. That guy is made nobody's into somebody's kind of overnight what do we want to do with this green bay team yeah i'm not so much worried about the talent of the green bay wide receivers i assume that rogers can i assume that they can all run short routes and that rogers can hit them all in short routes so i really like valdez scantling i think you know he had three targets last week so we at least know that he's allowed to go on the field which we don't know about some of these practice squad guys just yet and you can't imagine that a team like the packers is just gonna you know board up shop and give the ball to Aaron Jones 50 times this game, right? Like, you still have Aaron Rodgers on your team. I think your take of Ty Montgomery getting more involved is an excellent one. Uh, he, you know, he had seven targets two weeks ago against Washington, three targets last week. With the five carries, he's still cheap. I, I think he could be the best player on this team. And, you know, it might not even be close. Like, if, if Williams and Jones are going to split the regular carries, you could see 11 targets out of Montgomery or something this game. Uh, without batting an eyelash so yeah I think it's it's one of the more exciting matchups on the week I'm definitely curious to see what other news comes out you know if we get definitive injury news on Adams and it becomes a complete free-for-all who knows but one way or the other I'll probably have some Packers exposure in my cash games this week here's the thing about personnel in terms of expectation for a team this injury news has come out over the course of the week Packers are still favored and the line hasn't moved at all. I, I take that back. The line moved up in in favor of the Packers' implied total since open. So, like these these auxiliary personnel, like you want to say Devontae Adams is an elite wide receiver in terms of just overall usage, sure. And I think there's an idea in the NFL is like 
except for the quarterback and like some offensive line kind of guys and maybe some defensive line, a lot of guys are just replaceable in terms of systems. And I think that when you see injury news crop up for well, guys that we would consider to be sort of like elite, maybe like butting up on superstar fantasy guys, in the in the terms of overall what it does for how much a team is expected to score, it just like doesn't do that much. Like we saw this with Fournette when he was randomly ruled out one week. Sure. The Jags line just didn't move at all. Like it, well, like it's it just the biggest like, knows more than a lot of these teams do in some ways, which is that yeah, like Yeldon is probably a downgrade over a healthy Fournette, but like is he that much of a downgrade over a kind of banged up Fournette? Probably not. You probably don't want to be moving your lines all over the place <laughs> based on that. Right. Day, so yeah, like not. Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, now you're going to see Detroit minus three or something like that. It's going to swing yeah, that four, four and a half points or something Listen, like that. I mean, there's at um, least 22 very, very impactful players on a football team, if not more. And so only a handful of those are, are worth a point for the whole team, you know? And yeah. So we'll, we'll get a sense, I think, we'll probably get the biggest sense tomorrow when, one, all the injury news fleshes itself out. And two, when some beat reporters are able to say who kind of ran first team routes with the Packers, right? And I think that that's going to be the ultimate decider is that to say, okay, who was really running most with the first team? Uh, is it is it Scantling? Is was, was was Ty Montgomery kind of split out more as wide receiver? I think we're going to get more injury news, and this is the one we're going to want, probably want to monitor more than anything else, mostly because I do think we're going to have a significant amount of targets possibly redistributed between guys who who are basically punt plays and. On a week where it looks really pretty enticing to pay up for a lot of running backs and maybe even an elite wide receiver, this is this is the exact kind of situation that you can talk yourself into punting. What about the Detroit side? Uh, okay, well, actually, one thing: Aaron Rodgers, like he's still kind of Aaron Rodgers. Do we do we care? Do we want to consider playing him in cash? That this is a guy that we've we played. I don't know half the season last year when he played <laughs> in yeah. terms of cash games hasn't really worked out as much this year. Is this is he still a guy that you think is viable? kind of not mattering who is running routes for him no i don't see any reason to do it um you know he's on the cheaper side of things it's a okay matchup although the lions have been oddly good against the past this season um you know he's got his own little knee things i just don't you know you only have to play the one so why him yeah the completion percentage for him actually has been pretty bad this year 64 percent. he is not even in the top 20 of overall fantasy scorers this year so maybe yeah, he's just not pass. as much uh, maybe he's not as viable I'm not hasn't and actually really hasn't run that much only 67 running yards so far uh Detroit side these are Golden Tate was a guy that was damn close to cash games for us last week I think he was in our he might have even been in our top DraftKings lineup because we had some we had some dispute about which one ended up being the top lineup or not. Um, either way, at worst, he was in the second lineup, completely got there in a big game. Uh, he and Galladay are guys that we've talked a lot about, possibly even cash game plays. Are they still in the mix here because of the target share? Not guys that we end up writing up for cash games. And I don't know, we have Tate as the 34, 7th overall highest projected uh, DraftKings play, and he's by far the cheapest of the bunch. Yeah, I'd rather not on FanDuel. Uh, you know, Tate being 7,400 there, coming off back-to-back just eight target weeks. Yeah, he did absolutely everything you could possibly hope to do in eight targets last week, but I think the prior week is probably a better indicator of what we can expect from him on eight targets, which is like less than 100 receiving yards and no touchdowns. I think on DraftKings, you know, given that we know he has target share upside, I think that's fairly reasonable. Um, You know, it's one concept I mentioned earlier this season as well, but sometimes, this is going to sound strange, but if you're more efficient on your targets, you might wind up with less of them because the play just works the first time, you know, like picture you get down in the red zone, right? And you're, it's first and five and you're the saints and you're going to pass to Michael Thomas, right? You passed him the first time he scores the touchdown. There's no more targets to be had, but if he drops it, maybe you go back to him once or maybe even all three times when you're down there, right? So I think there's something to Tate having so many more targets in the weeks where he was inefficient. And when he was more efficient, having fewer targets, uh, so, which is to say, you're probably, if you notice the output, the total number of receiving yards and catches was about the same, <laughs> regardless of how many targets he had. So, yeah, still good DraftKings play probably, but not something I'm going to mess with on FanDuel. At some point, and I, I don't know if this is going to be the week, at some point you have to think that the Lions realize they have one good running back on their team and one really bad running back on their team and the part where they split carries just doesn't make any sense at all carry and johnson has averaged 5.7 yards per carry this year he's still splitting carries with Legarrette blunt who just doesn't do a single thing when he touches the ball so blunt i can't shoot blunt's like not even in the top 
on our leaderboard, he's like, this is not even high enough for me to look up what his yards per carry are quickly because he just sucks so bad. I, I guess at some point they're going to get there with Karrion Johnson where he is the exclusive guy. I'm just not really sure. It hasn't happened. He's been targeted 13 times as well in the passing game. He just seems like much more the effective back, and he just can't trust that he's going to be on the field enough. Then that's just the, that's the kind of Detroit's problem. It's like they almost have finally found the running back that seems like he can do something, and they just refuse to play him. It's been their problem for years and years. Like Amir Abdullah couldn't do a single thing. Um, you know, they tried running Riddick out there. I'm trying to think of the other losers they've had back there. They finally find a guy that can actually get it, and they just don't want to give him the ball. So whatever, maybe one week. I still, I still think a guy like him, there could just be a week where they figure it out and just give him the ball 20 times between the air and the ground, and he's going to have a pretty crazy high upside. Like, is there a case to play a guy like that because his per touch numbers are really good, and it's just not the touches there. Is there is there a tournament strategy to playing a guy like that, trying to kind of catch lightning in the bottle for the week that he finally just does touch the ball twenty times? Like he's only forty six hundred on DraftKings. Yeah, I mean, anytime you have that level of upside, I don't think it's unreasonable to take a stab on it. Um, you know, the big question is always going to just come down to consistency for your cash games, and uh, you know, at that forty six hundred dollar price tag, it's not. You don't need to be that consistent on a $4,600 price tag to get there. I think this is like a lot of times where our chatters get a little bit turned around. Um, like I think they they want everything, right? Like they want they want it coming and they want it going. They want, uh, you know, the perfect consistency and perfect upside on every single player and every single lineup. And you're just not going to get that. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of like being a guy who you can, uh, that you can dream on a little bit, a guy who could come out and, and bust out a big game. Sure. And if, you know, you think the floor is pretty reasonable based on the recent usage, it sure seems to be there for a team that just doesn't want to run the ball that much. Um, yeah, I think it's it's an okay play. Yeah, against New England, he did carry the ball 16 times uh, for 101 yards. Yeah, that's what like I'm saying. Like, that's not, that's not unreasonable. He had touchdowns last week. Like, come on now. He's been two and a half X on this price three the last three weeks. So, yeah, maybe I'm talking myself into carrying Johnson as a tournament play, especially in a situation where they get up and they decide that he's going to be the ball. I thought you were going to say cash game play, and then I was going to feel nervous. No, for, no, no, no. You can't do it for cash games. Nah, of course not. Of course not. You can't do it for cash <laughs> games. But he is a guy that's not going to have a crazy high projection in our system. But if you look at him compared to the guys that he's grouped around, we'll move off this in a second, but if you look at the guys he's grouped around in terms of projections, it's him, Kenyon Drake, Alex Collins, like that group, does Johnson clearly have the most upside of that group? Uh, I think, of course, right? Like, yeah. uh, I'm trying to think that Deion Lewis, even these are guys like in and around the same price range and the same projection. I think if we're looking at upside, I would take Johnson over that entire group uh, pretty easily, and I wouldn't mm-hmm. have to think all that much about it. All right, uh, let's move in to the next game. I don't think we're still. I think we're still in the one o'clock. So yeah, Baltimore goes in and plays the Browns. This game started at a 47 over under is now down to 45 and a half with the Ravens minus three road favorites against Cleveland, who's flying back across the country after a tough overtime loss to the Raiders. Uh, the game they probably should have won if a couple other things break out, but the fact that there was even close, um, it, it can be anyone's game if the game's going to stay close and then the ball just bounces uh, the wrong way a little bit and the, the refs kind of get in the way as well. But anyway, uh, Ravens have looked really good this year. They have, a pre- they have a good defense. Flacco's finally been pretty consistent with a good receiving core, has three guys that he feels comfortable throwing to in Brown, uh, Sneed and of course Crabtree. Do we see this as a fantasy viable situation? Twenty four and a half points is not bad for a road team. Den- or though Cleveland's played decent on defense. Anything you can get excited about here? I mean, not for cash games, but if you're looking at big tournaments, John Brown, aside from a, a you know kind of disappearing act week one at Buffalo, which is like to be understood when you have a receiver joining a new team and everybody's new, trying to figure out like who's actually good and whatnot. And they're up by 50 points at half. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. And he's the major downfield target as well. So that's going to limit him additionally. Uh, He's really filled in that kind of Torrey Smith, Steve Smith, now John Brown, just downfield, just kind of throw a bomb and see what happens role. And I think that's pretty, he's pretty enticing for big tournaments on that. I mean, three weeks in the last three weeks, his fewest receiving yards is 86. He's had a touchdown now in three of his last four games or three of his four games now as a member of the Ravens. So you're still getting him very cheap, understandably, because you're going to see a lot of variance on a guy who catches four balls on 10 targets, five on nine, and three on seven. Like, you get two on seven for 40 yards, and you're not feeling too great on him. But, yeah, for big tournaments, I can see it. Yeah, Baltimore, like I said, they've been just a pretty good team this year. They have the second-best point differential in the league. 
And that looks pretty good. They played the Steelers. They played Cincinnati, and Cincinnati looks pretty good <laughs> so far this year. Sure. Uh, they did play. Uh, they did play Denver, and of course they crushed Buffalo. A lot of the point differential does come right, from right. that first week against Buffalo, but still three and one, good point differential. Flacco being more consistent. The one injury news that we're going to keep an eye on here is Alex Collins did not practice this week. Has not practiced as of right now. Uh, this is Thursday. Or excuse me, Friday didn't practice. Thursday we'll hear more about it. A situation where if he didn't play. Do we do we know enough about Javorius Allen? Javorius, don't call me Buck Allen. Um, <laughs> to pl- consider him maybe possibly in cash if we thought that this was going to be maybe last man standing in Turks. They're already without Kenneth Dixon. I can't remember who their third running back is uh, off the top of my head. But would we be interested in a fill-in uh, Javorius Allen kind of play if we knew the Collins wasn't going to? We knew the Collins was going to play. They did. They split snaps last week uh, with Javorius carrying the ball ten times for thirty yards. Uh, yeah, he's definitely someone you want to consider. The only thing to just remember is that some of these teams, the plan is just to have a committee, and that just might be the plan even if Collins misses here. So it's not like quite as big a slam dunk as it would be on one of these teams like the Bengals, let's say, who tend to just plug one guy in and let him run. That being said, 5,400, like he's already sort of pushing. Like What makes him an interesting punt player, this is actually a concept that comes over from basketball, is that he already has one killer skill, which is being the goal line back. Uh, touchdowns in three of the four games this season, including two touchdowns uh, against Denver, means that as long as the Ravens get down there and close, he's going to have some pretty good opportunity. And then you're just basically... This is without Collins, obviously, right? Like this is what... Yes. Yeah, what I'm saying Collins. is yeah. he wouldn't be attractive, obviously. His six carries for seven yards and a touchdown against Denver yeah. wouldn't be much to write home about, except for... So he's got the goal line thing. You know he'll be targeted in the passing game. He's got three games with four or more targets. Again, even with competition in the lineup there. And if you were to take Collins out of the picture, it couldn't hurt him, I guess. And at 5,400 on FanDuel, that could be where it would start to get really, really interesting. So you'd want to monitor it, I guess. Like if, if they come out and say that nothing will really change, that you know one of these other random guys who, who I don't know anything about, like a DeLance Turner or somebody, would come in yep. and take over the... Alex Collins' role, then obviously you wouldn't be as thrilled by it. But sure, yeah, keep an eye on it and, and potentially be ready to play him if the news looks favorable. Yeah, this is a guy, like I said, on DraftKings, especially from a PPR standpoint, one of his skills has been just receiving the ball at 4,700. If you thought he was going to be the feature back plus the third down back mm-hmm. and maybe just going to take you know one of every four series off to have a guy like Turner spell him, this would be exactly. a pretty clear cash game. And the goal line back, dude, I mean, that's, you're, you're doing it kind of. On DraftKings, yeah, with the PPR. All right, uh, let's keep moving. Uh, anything on the Browns? Landry's a guy that we did like last week. Um, the targets, you know, were mostly there, kind of. He didn't really get there in terms of overall conversion. Um, is he still a guy that you think that Baker's going to target more than anyone else? I mean, Njoku is a guy that is actually showing up as a cheap possible tight end play. Antonio Callaway may or may not play this week. Anything you like about the Browns, or you just don't like the matchup? No, I'd pass on the Browns. Uh, they could also just get totally dumpstered here, and I wouldn't be shocked I think Landry, he's going to have that tournament upside just based on the big target share, but he was limited in practice on Thursday with a knee injury. So, yeah, I just don't I don't see the reason to do any Browns this week, I don't think. Like I said, I think the one guy, uh, Ninjuku, had seven targets last week. He's just so cheap at a position where the, the it's mostly just the tight end is so bad. He's 3,700. Yeah. Seven targets in three of the four games this year. I don't know. Yeah, Landry still had 10 targets last week. He just, he just went four for 34. Yeah, but the, the uh, conversion just... thing's been a problem for him this season. Like. Right. And that, and sometimes conversion issues can turn into lower opportunity in the future too. So I don't know. I, I don't and we're not exactly buying low on him either. I just I think you know, I gotta be in the right kind of mood to play some Browns in my cash game lineup, Doug, and I'm just not sure I'm feeling it this week. Yeah, it makes sense. They got a team that or a game that you probably are gonna want to have exposure to from a cash game perspective is the Falcons go in and play the Steelers. That line is all the way up to 58 now, um, which is just <laughs> really nuts College for an NFL game. game. To, it's like a non-dome game uh, that, that's up to a 58 over-under. And it's just because you have two teams that are throwing the ball a lot, have been pretty pretty damn good on offense. The Falcons are going to get Devontae Freeman back, so we can talk about what that's going to mean in terms of just spreading out opportunities maybe to everybody. And then obviously we wrote up Brown and Juju for cash games in terms of like how the Steelers are using these guys. Who do you, who stands out to you as, is there, is there any must play from a cash perspective in this game? Um, is this just a full on tournament stack? Could you see fading this game because the ownership levels are going to be really high in terms of tournaments? Because it seems like it's going to correlate really nicely with just kind of everyone getting theirs. Let's, let's break down this hmm. game. Let's start with the Falcons. Uh, what do you like here? What does Freeman coming back mean for, everyone's opportunity let's say oh yeah i mean so for starters freeman coming back probably kills any interest in the running game uh we've seen them do just a straight up 
timeshare there, and I just not going to bother. Uh, I think in the passing game, this is where things kind of get interesting for me. Uh, Matt Ryan, incidentally, one of the biggest movers in terms of price this season as well. Uh, people were coming in and just in the old the cruel world category we thought about him and maybe even played him in some big tournaments week one i can't remember and then of course now he's just averaging 30 fantasy points a game <laughs> since sure. week one but uh the price has gone up quite a bit on him and for understandable reason i mean he's still got julio jones there uh calvin ridley you know potentially overrated a little bit for dfs purposes just because the opportunity hasn't totally been there but one thing that's very clear is that he's got big playmaking ability and that's really revitalized the offense and particularly on the passing side as well so um, you know, given that you now have Ridley and Jones capable of making big plays, uh, any of these guys should be in consideration. The real question, I guess for me, like all the, like, I don't think I'm going to play Ridley as one of the highest price movers. I just don't think the opportunity is there. And I don't think you want to count on two touchdowns a game from him going forward. But the really interesting thing about this game for me is big tournaments and trying to figure out kind of the game theory behind, can I fade the game with the highest total if it's also a game where the production could be relatively spread out. Like you can foresee a scenario where this game hits its total and like Connor kind of does some things and Brown does some things and Schuster does some things, but like nobody quite hits that, you know, next level 35 fantasy point game that winds up winning you the Sunday million, you know? So, uh, and the ownership should be through the roof as well. So on the off chance, this game doesn't hit its total. Now, of course, now you're just doing it right. You just eliminate probably half the field if you fade, if you fade the game completely maybe more so um yeah the game theory surrounding this game is, is what really intrigues me i think okay so i i completely agree with you one on ridley the t- he's still getting really outsnapped by sanu and jones and the touchdowns if you look at his touchdown like sort of share compared to other guys so he has six touchdowns on the year which is um, just completely crazy because he only has he has 21 targets for six touchdowns that if he is not going to see the the field more and he really isn't like so he's not like on the field more for more snaps he's just happened to getting all these touchdowns whenever he catches the ball it's just not sustainable so and the when the price is kind of built on that i i think he's a fade for me and i i, I love the jones i still love jones's upside i mean every every falcon here is in a crazy plus matchup from the receiving core uh in terms of the steelers in terms of the steelers uh, secondary so i think you can make tournament cases and i do agree with you that's spreading it all out and no one hitting that crazy high upside that's just sort of been the Falcons' mo at times. They just have too many mouths to feed. Now the the Steelers are. I don't know. Do you consider the Steelers to be in the same category with Brown and Juju? They these guys have had crazy high upsides. Sometimes both in the same game. Is is it concentrated enough between those two guys in the passing game and Ben to stack them? Can you stack them all together and yeah. and just kind of hope that you get there? Is that is that any of those lineup as big tournament strategies for you? I think so. I mean, certainly Ben plus either one of them is a utterly viable and be maybe the most popular strategy for this week in right. tournaments i think you can do both the tricky part is like normally when you want to do a quarterback double stack with two position players you're getting one of those guys pretty cheap so the idea being there like okay brown needs like whatever 30 points let's say to be in the overall winning gpp lineup but if you play a guy that's like 5400 now that guy really only needs like i don't know say 20 points or 18 points or something uh to be in that overall winning lineup if you're going to play two guys at 8,000 or more, that's a lot of production that you need from one game, and it's relatively unlikely for any team to just put up numbers like that. I mean, you're basically saying Ben's going to get four touchdowns, and they're all going to go to Brown and Smith-Schuster. It's not out of the question, for sure, but it's also not, obviously, especially likely either. So I think for me, I'd rather just go Brown. If I was going to do it, I'd go Ben plus one of these guys. I think the ownership and, and the, the hype around this game will be high enough that it might just make sense to fade it and that won't feel very good and obviously i mean we talked for cash already but i really love ben and either or any of those wide receivers you know you can take brown or smith schuster and and feel good for cash games depending on what kind of price you have available but uh yeah i love it for cash just not sure on the big tournament tip yep uh i i'm kind of with you on there and kind of all the thoughts i one guy i really want to really like here is james connor um i think that he's been sort of scripted out of a few games in terms of the running the games, you know, last week they fall down pretty early to Baltimore. They can't really run the ball. Uh, obviously, that happened against KC where everything was kind of going wrong. KC jumped out to a huge opening lead, and they couldn't do it. He's still featured enough, and the snap count is high enough that there are great game scripts that I think Connor has huge game upside nice. in him, especially, like, if they can get up early. 
which is again that's been a very difficult thing for them but I mean he's only two games away he had 20 touches against Tampa Bay uh, almost 100 yards doesn't get into the end zone in a game where they put up 30 points he's still very much the plan I think there's I think there's been a lot of bad luck in terms of how the Steelers want to use him and have been compared to how they've been able to use him this year that I at 7,500 on DraftKings I think of any guy who's probably could be possibly totally mispriced for his potential um, usage in a game, I think Connor, because you get a figure at this point, Juju and Brown, their prices have climbed up to near the peak of what they're going to get just because they've yeah. been pretty highly targeted games. And again, all those scripts have worked in, the, in there. For all the reasons they've worked against Connor, they've worked in those other guys' favor. Um, I think if we go back the other way, Steelers get a quick score. You know, they're able to control the ball on the ground a little bit to start. I think we could see, like, Connor, of all these guys, would have shocked me at, at 7,500 on DraftKings to have Connor be the highest scoring running back in, in a week? I, he could do it. Like, he has, I think he has it him to do it. I don't want to go there did and a week one, games. right? I mean, like. That's what I mean. Like, <laughs> they, they've shown they're going to do it. There's no one else really getting a lot of carries here. Yeah, and with Bell, with Bell knocking on the door, too, of returning, uh, that would be a time to just, like, go burn out hard and red on Connor rather than uh, worrying about trying 100%. to preserve him for the whole season, right? So. Right, exactly. So if you look at him right now, he's one, two, three, four. He's seventh overall in in running back targets. Now that's helped him, and he still has a decent amount of attempts. Like he has, and a lot of it's built on week one. He's still in the top ten of overall attempts as well. So I think that at seventy five hundred DraftKings, I think he's a clear tournament play for me. This would be a guy that I would hope to have a little lower ownership on as well compared to the rest of the group, just because how the rest of the, their team has performed this year. Mm-hmm. And I think it could easily, easily switch back, uh, and we could see we could see Connor having a really big game here. Next one o'clock game. Okie dokie, Titans going and play the Bills. Uh, I mean, we can play the Titans defense. What else, if anything, is interesting to hear? I guess you did write up Corey Davis as a potential play um, in terms of cash because of how many uh, targets he got. I'm still a little bit worried about that, but I I, I definitely get the point. Besides the defense and um, and Davis, I mean, Mariota did have a decent game last game. Is there anything else to like about this game? Uh, I don't know. know. I'm back in the old, do I really need to play people from every game category like i certainly don't like anything on the buffalo side i just don't see it like well am i supposed to like anything on the buffalo side uh and the wider or the tennessee side the real interesting part for me is going to wind up coming uh on Corey davis you know both for big tournaments and for cash and the fact that he practiced in full means that illness-based questionable tag is meaningless and yeah i think you can just kind of do it so yeah you're gonna i think Corey davis is great i don't think there's anything else from this game overall that i'm seeing at all and like I said, I think you can see the Titan. Titan defense has been good this year. I think oh, you yeah, can see them as a pretty popular cash game play. A little expensive at 4000 on DraftKings, but we have them for easily the highest or the most uh, overall. Oh, this is weird. This thing's sorting weird. Um, we, we have them for the most overall uh, projected defensive points this season, and it makes sense. Buffalo is just that bad. And like you said, for Buffalo, I mean, look, they, they, don't, they just stink. They don't, they don't want to run the ball with anybody. They can't pass, whatever. They're just gonna, kind of running for their lives. All right, first 4 o'clock games, we get the Raiders going in and playing the Chargers. Chargers started as a 7-point favorite, came down to minus 5. Uh, I don't know that if that was in the back of the Raiders' win or if people think maybe the Raiders are a little bit better than people expected or the Chargers are a little bit worse still good home favorites 53 over under so a lot of points expected to go up on the board we talked briefly about Melvin Gordon as a possible cash game play um how much has your opinion changed at all there in terms of ranking the Gordon Gurley McCaffrey group uh, at the very top of the chain in terms of you know favorites not necessarily at home but solid favorites with guys that get a lot of usage on their team uh, would you rank them? Do you do you have the Gurley third? Excuse me, Gordon third on that list. He is a little bit cheaper than uh, Gurley for sure. Yeah, Gordon's third on that list. Uh, quite simply because two of the four games this season he's had uh, 17 touches or less. You know, he had 15 touches against Buffalo, uh, 17 against the Rams. That's just enough for me. I, you know, I don't think Gurley and McCaffrey really have those games in them, and. Gordon certainly has upside, and I think his usage in the passing game really raises his floor considerably. He's obviously scored a lot of touchdowns, but we're just trying to compare among the very best of the very best, and I just put him a slight tier below. I think Gurley's just better, and I think McCaffrey's cheaper, and I think that's the... He just falls in that kind of weird middle ground for me. Still like him, by the way. If he wound up in our lineups, I wouldn't throw a fit. If there was some other, you know, factor I was missing here, I I could be persuaded. Still think he's a really good player. Just, you know, you listed the two guys I have ahead of him, so... 
What about the uh, the Raiders here? Uh, Marshawn Lynch gets a lot of carries. Uh, that's They've established that that's something they want to do is actually receive the ball a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. Cook and Cooper are both coming off a 13 and 12 target game, respectively. Cooper has now had two double-digit target games and then two other games where he was barely looked at at all. Uh, Jordy came in there with eight targets. Now Carr had to throw a lot of passes. This game did go to overtime. They were playing from behind. Yeah, go, go, so Carr threw 58 passes. So this is where you need to take target percentage as opposed to just overall total targets because we take both yeah. it, but I, yeah, it's, well, it's just not this is not reasonable that Carr is going to throw another 58 passes in a game Probably right so not. like while while i do think that these guys it's good that those three guys got the majority of targets so okay you can make uh, some determinations from that i wouldn't go and just put them all as double digit target guys because you're you're not going to have it you're going to have way less games of 60 or, or 60 attempts than you're going to have uh, at that number and that being said cooper i mean I, I don't know. Is he a tournament upside here? It seems like they're going to be playing from behind. Can you talk yourself into like stacking parts of this game? Yeah, I think Cooper you know, is, is kind of showing new ways that he can be erratic this season. It's not as much in conversion, but in terms of just overall target share. Uh, but yeah, still definitely has some upside, and those terrible games are keeping the price down on him. Uh, we've seen him flirt with $8,000 price tags in the past when he strings together a few good weeks. So it wouldn't shock me to see him among those big price risers guys in you know say four or five weeks from now if he continues to string together some good games uh cook i think is very interesting on the tight end side sure you can't count on 58 passes in a given game for the raiders but given the fact that every tight end is bad this season like you just got to play somebody right (laughs) so uh if his downside is like those four and five catch games that he had against miami and denver i think i can stomach that and knowing that there's two touchdown, 100-plus yard upside on a sub-$6,000 player is just not what I'm getting from this position elsewhere. So, yeah, I, th- I still think he's a, a very, very good player. The, because they're around the same price for cash games, would you rather play Cook or Jimmy Graham? Ooh, yeah, probably Jimmy Graham, just based on all the insanity in Green Bay Arena. Yeah, that's interesting. The, uh, Graham is 200 more on FanDuel and is 100 more on DraftKings. It's very close. I trust Cook's targets a little bit more, and I'm with you that I'm— I'm still not completely convinced that these wide receivers are all out and Jimmy Graham just starts getting like double digit targets. I don't think that is going to be the case. Like they've had they've been banged up in other parts of the wide receiver core. I just don't think they want to do they want to run those packages enough and the touchdowns, I don't know. That's close for me. I think I I think Cook probably has a higher floor. I don't know. Uh, I'll I'll have to look a little more closely on that. But I think that is going to be a decision people are going to want to try to make because again, they're priced so close to each other. All right. Next four o'clock game. Vikings go in and play the Eagles. Vikings having a very weird season here. They get crushed by the Bills, and they go up and play a total shootout with the Rams that they end up losing. They are three-point underdogs to the Eagles in this game. The total has come up a little bit. It started at 44.5, up two points evenly, uh, up to 46.5. The news on Minnesota is that Dalvin Cook does not look – he did not practice this week, and I think he had a setback in uh, some injury issues that kind of kept him out for a week where Latavius Murray just blew up the chalk all over the place. I don't know what we want to do with that information. Murray, after that bad game, it's really tough to, I don't know, tough to think about playing him in cash, even if oh, a yeah. hook were to sit. Um, but what do we, we talked about Adam Thielen. This is not a great matchup against the Eagles, and he's been getting crazy target share. What do we want to do with the Vikings, and is this a game that you can consider stacking? Our system's actually not minding Carson Wentz also uh, as a possible cash game play. Yeah, I think you see a lot on the Minnesota side that you can dream on, certainly for big tournaments. I, I mean, I don't think it's... I'm going to be highly controversial to pair Cousins with either Thielen or Diggs or both. Um, you know, it's interesting. <laughs> if you compare Thielen and Diggs to Brown and Smith-Schuster, you get similar overall target share, and you get it at a slight discount. And I think you're probably mm-hmm. going to get Cousins at, yeah, I mean, you get him at a discount to Big Ben, but you also get him, you'll get him at an ownership discount as well. So if, you know, if I had to compare two stacks to really want to sink my teeth into, I think I'd prefer the Minnesota side. I mean, I, I think if I was just playing you know old uh draft pot fan mode where i can just pick who's going to score the most points i think i still like the pittsburgh guys but when i'm considering ownership and potential upside and price and all that kind of stuff and like the opportunities it affords me elsewhere then i think i like the minnesota side so um yeah so that's my general take there i think latavius murray he did completely blow up the chalk like he is fifty one hundred, right? <laughs> so, oh man, yeah, I know. Uh, no, I know. The, the, the ownership road. is really the issue, right? Like, or not the ownership, rather the uh, the opportunity. Like he just wind up hardly touching the ball. So, yeah, you're probably right. I, I hate to have that one game stick too much in my in my mind here because it was such an outlier game from all aspects, especially from what we've seen for the Bills since uh, and before that. He did have that seven game. targets, right? Like, 
That game's like a .01 percentile game, it seems yeah. like, in terms of like the sure way it seems ran. Like for, it. Given what they did the against Vikings. the Rams the next week. Like, it's so weird. That's what I mean. And so, like, if, I don't know, if he was even halfway decent, I think we'd be having a real conversation about it. And I don't want to let one game in just the craziest game ever totally affect the way. I mean, it probably helps that they're road underdogs here and the Eagles are decent defense, and that probably makes the decision a little easier. If the, if the opponent was worse, I think we'd be – It'd be, a, it'd be a situation to be we'd at least be having more of a conversation about uh, I don't think the other metrics just don't really line up for him again well, so let me let me give you one one data point and, and I think this is a way to think about it Dalvin Cook last week in a game that it would not a typical game script but like a more common one he still only touched the ball 10 times and Murray had I think uh, four touches total or something yep. so if you wanted to stick your neck out and say well if Cook is going to be out and Murray is going to get the entire running back workload in a somewhat typical game, giving him like 13 touches or something is not unreasonable. So if he comes up in our system on 13 touches, then I'm willing to stomach it. I don't think he, you know, the seven was indicative of where he should land like he did in the Buffalo game. But uh, understanding that sometimes being that cheap and getting 13 touches is still worth, you know. Not knowing our system, I just know that opportunity won't get him there because of being in the underdog, the defense. Okay. I, I, so I, I'm, gl- I'm glad to Fair pretty enough, much know that, and uh, and that would be a situation where we have to take him over. Okay, uh, next 4 o'clock game, Arizona goes in and plays the 49ers. 49ers were feisty last week. Without Jimmy G, they stuck with the, cl- uh, the I almost said the Clippers. I see this LAC thing, and I just want to say Clippers every time, and I know it's just I've done it. I've done it but, on um, the air before, too, my friend. It, it, so uh, they, they hung and ended up losing by two uh, to, to L.A., C.J. Bethard, I mean, was not very consistent. 23 for 37, did throw for around almost 300 yards. They're favored in this game against the mm-hmm. Cardinals. That's probably more about the Cardinals than it does about the 49ers. Uh, it started at minus 5 for the 49ers, down to 3.5, only a 40 over-under. Is there just not enough to see here in terms of just the, the way the Niners kind of spread the ball out? Kittle had a good game. And then what about DJ? I mean, he's 3.5-point underdog, has had weeks where they wanted to give him the ball. I think that they just don't really have any other plan I don't know. I could see him. I could see him being in a big GPP spot. I know we talked about it a little bit earlier, but uh, any any other thoughts on uh, Cardinals versus the Niners? This is the part where if we were doing our Sunday morning show, Doug, and we were like sitting on our desk, that I would bust out my David Johnson jersey or rip off my shirt and have a David Johnson jersey underneath. I'm a believer. This is the game. Minus three and a half point favorites is about as good a situation as the Cardinals are going to be in, or a minus or plus three and a half point dogs is about as good a situation as you're going to find these guys in. You're going to get no ownership on the guy. He's free on DraftKings. He has not done it in the receiving game so far this season. This is the big question for me on Johnson, by the way. Nine targets in that first game against Washington wasn't crazily effective, but those nine targets, that's what I'm I'm holding out hope for, that the real plan is to bring him back towards the 2016 total where the guy had 120 targets in the passing game, and it hasn't worked out. But a lot of these defenses have put up some pretty decent numbers. I mean, the Rams, you got Chicago. You mentioned Washington is sort of a rising defense this season. I'm ready, buddy. Give me some David Johnson. I think this is the week, especially for big tournaments. But even for cash games on DraftKings, I think maybe you can consider it. It's It'll be the last week I say that if he goes out there and touches the ball 10, more, 10 times. But if there were a week for him to break out, this would be the week. And... David Johnson is one of these guys. He's one huge game away. Like, if he's in the GPP winning lineup this week, he's going to be 9,000 next week again. So, yeah, I don't know. That, that's my David Johnson spiel. I, I'm a believer. He has not, he's not totally killed you three of the four weeks. Like, Just 19 saying. DraftKings points last week, 16 and 7, 18. Excuse me, 16 and 18, three of the four weeks. It's saying. not great because the, the new world NFL, the scores are much higher. So, you can't take like that two and a half X as, as the rule of law or whatever. Three, you need to probably be even more like three X at your current price point, the way some of these teams score. And I'm totally with you, man. The, the guy, guy touched the ball 25 20. times last week. Yep, that's what I mean. 25 times with a new quarterback under center. Uh, 6,300 on DraftKings. If there's a week to buy on him, this is it. Because, again, if it doesn't happen this week, then right, I, then we can probably yeah, make a determination. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the, the schedule doesn't get anything but more difficult for Arizona. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It's not a cash game thing, and I wouldn't be shocked if people did it. I think you could see I, could, I think you could see some sharps just actually just doing it because they're saying, look, this is there's still enough pedigree here, and the usage just could be there enough. Eh, we'll talk I'm just about looking at other games, too. Like, Just think about other sports and think about lessons we've learned from football. How many times have we poured dirt on, like, say, Aaron Rodgers? Remember, we, I think we wrote, like, a 2,500 words on how Aaron Rodgers' completion percentage was 59% through four games or whatever. It was it last season or two seasons ago. I can't remember. And then he's like, oh, yeah, right. Four games isn't that many games. How, how much would be freaking out over four bad games for LeBron to start the season as a Laker? Like, some pundits would, and we would make fun of them. 
I know football things get contracted and you only get 16 games. Man, four games? Come on. Let's so let me see. ask a question here. They're not the exact same price, but TJ Yeldon's a guy we wrote up at 5600 um, for uh, for possible cash games on DraftKings. 6300 So it's, it's I'd rather play David Johnson. Interesting, because I, right now I have Johnson at 14 carries, four and a half targets, which is right around what his average. Yeah, it's, that's at, not it's, it's around his average. It's around his average, and it's higher than his median rush per game. Okay, so and then I have the targets of four and a half, which is right between the median and the, and the average. Uh, if this number got up to 16 or 16 and a half, I think that would be just about there. And, it's, and especially if it got up to like five targets or something like that, I think I think we would see him in all the DraftKings. This will be one that we talk about off the air. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I think I wouldn't mind being ahead of the David Johnson curve if there was ever going to be one. If there's ever a chance to be ahead of it, this is going to be the week. And um, this will be something that we talk for talk a little bit more uh, off the air. All right, let's get into the last game, last four o'clock game in the main slate. Rams go in and play the Seahawks. This game starts at 49 over under. Goes up to 50 and a half right now, with a little bit more coming up on the Rams side. They're up to 29 implied, uh, 29 implied total. We talked at length about why we think Gurley is the, at least on FanDuel, clear cash game lock. Um, DraftKings gets a little tougher with the pricing, just because he's just so much more expensive than everyone else. Rightfully so. FanDuel has not made enough of a point uh, differential to, or excuse me, a salary differential to make the decision as close. Uh, so we talked about him, but what about some of these receivers? Uh, the Rams are one of these teams that they basically play without a tight end. They run three wide receiver sets just about every single time. Seahawks stink. Um, do we want to stack anyone else? Golf's been awesome. Some of these receivers have just all seen double-digit target games. They want to keep their foot on the gas and just crush and step on the neck of every opponent. Uh, is there anyone else worth mentioning from a cash game perspective on the Rams? Oh, yeah. So from a cash game perspective, I don't know if I want to go there, but I, I do think an interesting angle to take on this week is to go Goff plus two receivers. I think you can go Goff plus Cup because he's cheap and just pick one of the Woods and Cooks category. Cooks, I, I think his usage is interesting. It actually reminds me of A.J. Green in that it could be that the Rams just have a set number of plays that they're willing to throw the ball downfield and Cooks just gets all of those. And given like the kind of on lockdown, eight targets a game, he's been super efficient. He and Goff have been hooking up really well. I think he has a two-touchdown game in him at some point this season. And if you catch that in the right week, you could be sitting pretty. Uh, and, you know, you didn't like to see Woods' targets go down to five. I think those will come back up. But the fact that Cooper Cup has a, an 11-target game in him for 162 and two touches means that he's going to be on GPP radars this week, too. So I think if you're going to play him, understand that he'll have probably higher ownership than he might normally have. And the way you might get separation from that group is to go Goff, Cup, plus one other guy. So I like that for big tournaments. I think for cash... I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be devastated to have Cup in my cash game lineups if you think the target share is on the rise. I tend to think it's probably more of a game script thing, given that he had six targets in the prior two weeks and given all the tools they have here. But uh, but yeah, uh, you know, I'm, I'm generally optimistic on the Rams offense. Just not sure. It might be too many mouths to feed ultimately uh, with the skill sets there, though. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think I agree, and I don't want any part of the Seahawks here. They stink. Half their team is limited in practice or hurt or just sits out randomly before the game start. Uh, they don't know what they want to do with running back. Like, not like it's going to yeah. matter. Baldwin, his playing banged up. Wilson stinks. The whole team stinks, whatever. I, I have no interest in the Seahawks even going the other way. If anything, I just have more interest in the Rams' defense uh, against this really, really bad offense, and they're very expensive because they've been good. Uh, the, we, we, not really much to say here because they're not part of the main slate. The Cowboys and the Texans, uh, I think, that makes for another prime time. Uh, just interesting lineups because we have the we have Zeke and you have Deshaun Watson. You have the Saints, but they get Ingram back. Uh, there's supposed to be a decent amount of points, especially in that Saints game. They're up to the 29, over 29 implied total against the Redskins. So I think the primetime ones will go there. But for that, you can just go jump into our chat room uh, and just hit some optimal lineups for the primetime slates if you want uh, our system's opinion there. And you can get that by going to dfsr.com slash deals for the podcast listener. $5 off per month. Starts at twenty nine ninety five regular, but you get a five dollar discount taken into twenty four ninety five. I typed that into my spreadsheet. That's how I knew the final price, uh, and you get that for free for three days. So that's going to take you through the weekend if you sign up today. Go check that out. dfsr.com slash deals, buddy. Enjoy a what should be a very interesting week of football. Let's go. Let's go, David Johnson everywhere. Let's go. Potawatomi has expanded, and so have the wins. Get yours during the one-day 200K giveaway on Sunday, August 25th. Every hour from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m., lucky guests will win cash and slot play, $200,000 in total. Play with your club card August 25th for more than 125 chances to win. The one-day 200K giveaway, only at Potawatomi Hotel and Casino. 
Visit PaysBig.com slash 200K for more. Must be 21 years old and a club member to play. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.